Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast episode. I am your host, Amanda Farmer, and my guest this week is James Bergen. James is a keen marketer, designer and handyman. He is lucky enough to enjoy the Bondi lifestyle in Sydney's East. James's background includes an applied science degree in design and recently his professional focus has been in digital and content marketing. Through his marketing agency, Brand Within, he supports clients to achieve their goals with education and smart strategies to be found on Google. Now, one of James's clients and friends is Bernadette Jansen. Bernadette is the founder of The School of Renovating. She's also a previous guest here on the podcast. Together with her son, David Jansen, I chatted to Bernadette back in episode number 229. That episode is titled The Do's and Don'ts of Apartment Renovation, where Bernadette and David demystified some common apartment reno questions including do we really need council approval for the removal of internal walls and does a washing machine installed in a kitchen need to be waterproofed? If those types of questions are coming up for you in your building with owners wanting to do renovations, head over and check out episode number 229. Now the connection between James and Bernadette in the renovation space comes from James enjoying a hands-on role as one of Bernadette's renovation students within some of the projects led by the School of Renovating. And James says this experience has given him the skills and the courage, his words, to manage the recent upgrade of the small Bondi apartment block that he lives in. Now that upgrade is the subject of our conversation here today James walks us through how the idea of a cosmetic makeover for his block came about, what some of the challenges were in this process and how he overcame them, the significant value add, as estimated by real estate agents that have since come through the block, what he'd do differently, and what he recommends as a first step for owners or communities wanting to get started with a project like this. Now, you're here in this chat. We do talk about some photographs of the finished product. James has generously shared those, including a short video where he walks through the common areas. We have a link to those photos and that video in the show notes for this episode. You can access those over at yourstrataproperty.com.au forward slash podcasts. You'll see this episode number 324 in the list. Click on through and you'll find the show notes as well as access to the transcript. I'll take you over right now to my chat with James Bergen. James Bergen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Amanda. Glad to be here. Now, James, let me know a little bit about you, about your background and your strata story. Well, I live in Bondi, and um, even though I grew up on the northern beaches in Sydney and I've lived in Melbourne and in the US over the years, um, but I'm very happy in the eastern suburbs now, and I've lived in two different apartment blocks since being here, and this time as an owner, previously as a tenant. So it's been quite an adventure, particularly in this apartment block, I've kind of gotten to be 
clearer on my ambitions for the overall living environment and um, how it can be part of my own lifestyle. When I first bought the property, I remember I lived up the street actually, and I used to drive past it and then, which is kind of an uncanny thing over the years, that's how I've often bought property, just by it being in your awareness and then suddenly you end up buying or negotiating. That's what happened this time when the signboard went up. And, um, but I'd always noticed how the grounds were on the corner and the grounds were just so overgrown. There, there was trees with fallen branches and the nature strip was like a jungle and there was a broken villa that was spilling over and sort of spiking pedestrians as they walked past. And so when I moved in, it was a bit of a disaster area from the public area. And so over the years, I've been here about six years now, I've been chipping away at it. And then earlier this year, we got to do a major upgrade on the common areas. Mm, And we're going to get into the details of that so that we can paint a picture for our listeners. Let us know how big is this building? How old is this building? How many owner occupiers have you got? Well, it was built in the 1980s and um, there's six units in it. There's three two-bedroom units, one of which is mine and three four-bedroom units. And five of the six units are owner-occupied. Okay. And interestingly, when I moved in, we manage the body corporate ourselves. Right. I've been listening to your podcast, Amanda, and listening to all the things that we should be doing (laughs) that maybe haven't been doing. And I was very inspired by the idea of your welcome pack for new owners, which is, um, I thought, a terrific idea. And as an aside... I thank you um, for meeting with my colleague and friend Bernadette Chanson at the School of Renovating, who I work with. And um, Bernadette has always encouraged renovators to create a welcome guide, like a home guide for the new owners when they sell a property. Mm. So I think it was quite simpatico with your concept of the welcome guide. Anyway, when I came, there was no such thing. But I remember back to when I first did my inspections on the property and there was we have a, a storage area where there's storage cages for the units, which has, and there's a sauna down there and a bathroom. And, and I remember seeing these things. And over the years, I've kind of had the experience of the neglect of these public spaces. Mm-hmm. And our garages, which are underneath that, they were kind of grubby. And then the, the foyer um, was still original 1980s. So you know, brown timber walls and ceiling and deep stained mirrors, um, dark mirrors. And we have a cleaner who's been here 30 years, um, who's vacuums and he said, oh, this, I've been vacuuming this carpet for 30 years, which is, you can imagine. I mean, it was surprisingly not threadbare, so a testament to the quality of the carpet, but it was so icky, you know, it was just, the whole thing was grubby and the, the walls were grubby and and I had red vinyl covering on the balustrade and me being like, I like nice environments and I always had this feeling of when you come home or we have guests come, as nice as your own apartment may be, the welcome environment was not. The big opportunity to upgrade the property really came because two of our owners who'd been here for one 17 years and one 20 years, they decided to sell and so I thought that's my opportunity. 
to upgrade because it will increase, it will make their sale price better and it will make the power place better for all of us. And so that's what we did. So tell me this, James, was this your idea? Is this something that you had to pitch to the other owners to sell to them and get them on board? Or is it something you were all thinking about for some years and the time was right? We, we didn't even have a sense of community, really, right. amongst the owners. We have a WhatsApp group, and that was more just logistics of, you know, there's a blackout or, you know, there was a flooding in the garage or, like, it was just dealing with dramas, really. Or during the pandemic, everyone had to be told to compact their rubbish more because we were all at home and using more. But it was very logistical. Yeah. Your WhatsApp group sounds like my building's WhatsApp group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I was friendly with others. We were relatively friendly. We have a swimming pool too, so that needs maintenance. Anyway, um, the idea to upgrade was, I just said, the need to upgrade the place. And so, of course, I had two owners who were on board with the concept. And then another one who's become an ally, she's now the chairman of the project corporate, I've become the secretary. So between us, we had four. One of them is a non-resident owner, and she would pretty much agree to whatever we wanted. And we only had one owner who was negative about the idea. So we kind of knew we had a majority when it came to voting because we needed to raise a special levy mm-hmm. to fund the upgrades. So... I put together a budget, which I'd been learning how to do all this through Bernadette and the School of Renovating, and there was templates that she was able to provide and guidance, and I'd just been working on a a renovation of a property in Newcastle, and Bernadette and I would often drive Sydney to Newcastle to work on this and manage the trades. So as you would know, it's very easy to have one master builder just say, do the whole thing which, of course, was, would have been really expensive, whereas what I've been learning how to do was to actually source the trades and the relevant skills myself and put together the quotes. The other owners, they wanted to see three quotes, so I went on to Hypages, or in one case, Airtasker, plus a network of local handyman people that I knew, and we had some, like we had a plumber and an electrician who service the building over the years, but that meant that we could put together the project much more cost-effectively. So what we did on this six-unit building is we repainted the outside, and it's a brick building, so it doesn't need the whole thing repainting, but it was well overdue for repainting when I moved in, and, and so painting was part of the quotes, and then there was the new carpet in the stairwell, and the painting of the stairwell and redoing all of the lobby, mostly with paint, but stripping old mirrors and retiling. It had 1980s tiles, you can imagine. I mean, everything was just like the, the lighting, light fitting, everything was kind of really daggy. It was just like yucky. And so I was out to Bunnings frequently and I was establishing all my trade accounts, which I know how to do to get the maximum discounts on things, and I really did the design. I'm just about to start my own apartment renovation here, so I had an architect that I worked with to help me with the design of the apartment, and I used him to do some drawings of our lobby area that I could show 
the other residents. And that was really what had them fully on board. And after that, we, we were, special levy that we raised between us was 50000 50000 in total or each? In total. Right. Yeah, which is kind of like ridiculously cheap. Sounds like it, yeah. For what we attempted to do and have achieved. I had about oh, a couple of thousand dollars in the budget for landscaping. And in the end, we ran out of money for that, but we had a working bee on two different days and I'm happy. So if it makes me happy, then, you know, get agave plants from Facebook Marketplace and we moved a lot of um, dracaenas, which were in pots around the back of the property. We planted them out in what I now call the dracaena forest um, near the front door. So we did a lot of simple stuff, which had a big impact. Now you've done that for... $50,000, clearly with your guidance, your expertise, your skills, James, you mentioned there some buildings may take the option of engaging a builder who can oversee the whole lot and organise the trades. Did you at any stage consider that option and did you get quotes for that option? Well, I didn't consider it for the whole thing, but because I needed some comparisons, I got some quotes where people, like I got one company that quoted on painting and tiling, and so that multiple pieces together. And I mean, we were looking at like, just for some of these quotes, $70,000 for tiling and painting. And that didn't even do, you know, lighting or cleaning. We did, we gurneyed the entire brickwork of the whole property and all the paving and the pool area. I mean, we, we put a lot in the landscaping. So I did get comparison quotes, but I didn't get one master builder to quote on everything. I did have very thorough scopes of work written up, which I'd learnt from Bernadette, and so I could compare apples with apples. I had about four or five painting quotes, but in the end, I had one unsuccessful painter who worked with us for a week or two, and, and I'd used him on another project, but he wasn't working out, so I moved on and I fired him. And then late at night, I thought, can't stop this project. Late at night, I went on to Airtasker. And at 11.30, I engaged a Korean painter to turn up the next morning. And he was fantastic. We did short term on Airtasker, and then we took over and paid him direct. But he worked with us to finish the project, like which was over a number of weeks. So that was really the only sort of glitch. I had another kind of low-cost worker who had to get his own white card to get all professional for our insurances, which he did. And um, he was kind of our labourer doing lots of work, but I was really the project manager and I worked damn hard. Well, that's one of my questions, James. You mentioned working at night. I know yeah. you've got another business and other properties. Was this a labour of love or do you see this as an investment? How do you justify doing all of this hands-on work? It was definitely a labour of love, but I knew that it was worthwhile because I mean, I'm not, this is not going to be my forever home. And I thought, I'm taking this opportunity now to upgrade our building. I did have a real estate agent come and actually colleague of Bernadette's give me an opinion that the work we're doing would raise the value of every property by between five and 10%. So, you know, if we're looking at Bondi, a Bondi apartment that, you know, they're kind of in the one and a half million to two million, that's gonna be 
you know, a minimum of 80,000 dollar uplift, anywhere up to 200,000. And we were putting in, I think it was about 8,000 each. Nice one. And so, you know, it was kind of not a hard sell to the other owners, especially because we had two that were selling. So that was the opportunity. And so my labor of love was self-interested. And the other good thing that's come out of the project is that we now are a community and we're collaborating with each other and there's much more camaraderie, there's much more friendliness in the building. I remember we had our strata rules up on a dusty set of um, framed prints in the lobby, which just looked horrible and of course no one would read. So I, I took them down and I scanned them and put them into a document and then I created a new notice board, which was on the first level of the stairwell, which everyone would walk past. And so, because I wanted to use the lobby as a kind of a nice welcome space, not too much on logistics. So I put a notice board up, a pin board with which we've had photos of our working bees and, and the rules and regulations are up there now. And there's a post-it note so anyone can leave messages. So that made a little sort of focus and when I did, we did the lighting, I put a spotlight on that. And then the other thing I did over the general look was I'm a keen photographer mm. and so over the years I've photographed around Bondi and I got a whole series of my photographs and turned them all into black and white prints, framed them with the cheapest frames I could buy from Ikea and they're all the way up the stairwell as well as large ones in the lobby. So. Yeah, I'm really proud of the result and everyone loves it. So mm, I can yeah. imagine. I would love, bearing in mind you're a keen photographer, James, I would love some photos of your building if you don't mind. And I sure, don't know if you have course. any before and afters and maybe we can share a link to them here. I do have before and afters, yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah, I do have before and afters. And interestingly, I, when I first moved in, I had a carpet redone and I found the kind of commercial carpet place from the apartment that I rented before. I went back to them and they gave me the best quotes of all for the carpet. So I took photographs of the workers when they were there and I, they had a little competition, their company, uh, leave us a Google review and um, you'll be in the running to win a Bunnings voucher. I thought, I'm going to win that. And so <laughs> I took photographs and gave them a glowing review and put the photos up and now I know a thousand people have seen those photos on their Google listing. And I won the $100 Bunnings voucher, so happy days all round. Good on you. <laughs> now, you've said, James, that each owner had to pitch in about eight grand for this yeah. project. Was there any pushback around that? Was anybody late in paying that special levy? Yes, we had some slow players. One voted against it, but then within a couple of weeks, he'd agreed, oh, yeah, I'm up for it. But then, I mean... There were some challenges. I mean, one of those owners' wives would send me, I've never had longer text messages oh. in my life of complaints and trying to sub-manage the project. Like one of the interesting things that we did was for tiling, you can either strip the tiles like with a um, jackhammer and take them all out and start again, or you mm -hmm. can put tiles over the top. And so when you put the tiles over the top, that means the step height is going to be a little lower, which this person was complaining that won't be legal. 
And, um, you know, you can't do that. So I, I started measuring every step just to check. And my they weren't all even. And so my solution was I, I created two thin pieces of plywood to, for the first two steps. So I evened out the height, taking into account the new tiles. And they work out perfectly. In fact, we'd all been walking over a very low step that went into the garage. No one had ever noticed it until this issue came up. But I found a solution. But that mm. was the sorts of things that we had to deal with. And I was the, or the brunt of those sorts of complaints and challenges and people wanted to sub-manage. And those who maybe weren't on board at first, they're now in the, the camp that loves it? They love it. Everyone loves it, yeah. So, yeah, we, we kind of achieved our goal. And I wouldn't say we were, like, we're not borrowing cups of sugar from each other every day. But, but now, <laughs> definitely, we're visiting each other more so. Yeah, so that's a really good outcome. And did your two owners who intended to sell, have they now sold and uh, realised that, that nice uplift? They've both sold. And one of them has exchanged and we've got new owners. And I'm very happy to say that this new owner loves gardening. So I think <laughs> I've got an ally to help me with the, the landscaping. And I saw in his storage cage there was a level and a toolkit. I thought, ah, <laughs> this is a good sign. Someone who's got a level is, um, I think, my kind of guy. So um, they've moved in. And then the other one, they, they, have a, they exchange at the end of August. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a bit of a change. I mean, we were a close community. If only it had worked out, the one who had the four-bedroom who's moving at the end of August, he would have loved to have bought the two-bedroom. Right. But because their auctions were wrong way around, he missed out. Mm. So, you know, it's just a change of community. I guess you just go with the flow. Yeah, nice. Is there anything, James, that you would have done differently with this project now with the benefit of hindsight? Got a higher budget. Right. Um, Definitely. I mean, I put in about 20% extra and we still burnt through that. And so there's still a slight debt to me, which is in the minutes, and Mm -hmm. I'll get that back over time. But, you know, I would have increased the budget a bit. The other thing we were doing was... We were actually doing a lot of postponed maintenance on the building, like gutter clearing and, yes. and roof repairs. And all those things ended up being paid for during the renovation. It made sense, but mm-hmm. that also ate into We've got very little money in our body corporate funds. It's time now to increase our quarterly levies. So those sorts of things, we probably would have been a bit smarter to have a the budgeting and overall management of the property, instead of trying to do everything, I mean, I really was keen, this is my chance, if I don't do it now, when will I do it? And so I was kind of really pushing for things to go in. Like we've got new lighting in the garage, it was dingy, and mm. do you really need the new lighting? I mean, they're crappy old fluorescents, and, but now we've got the whole place on sensors, instead of those old push-button timers, so mm. we upgraded the uh, legal requirements of the exit lights and those sorts of things. It was all done. So I think we'd probably spread it out a bit more. And I think also I've learned to have a, an annual budget for upgrades and maintenance. Yes. Do you remain committed to self-management? Well, 
I asked Colin, I said, I don't want to be chairperson or be secretary because I'd say the secretary all he did was sign checks. <laughs> and, and the other person who was willing to be chairperson, she's been here for a long, long time and it used to be her grandmother's place. Right. She said, I'd rather save the money. And so personally, I'm not, I don't really want to be on the committee. I do enough around the place without having to have that extra admin role. And we've agreed to do it and revisit the decision in six months' time. One of our residents did some research on to getting uh, Australian managers on board, which of course would cost us more. But I think we'd be, I don't know, personally I'd rather pay the money. Well, you're the one doing all the work, James, so I understand that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I could, if I just said the law of mowing, but I feel it's a burden. But, you know, Amanda, we had a little breakthrough yesterday because we've had a checkbook, and it's so old-fashioned, you know. Yep. I mean, I don't personally have a checkbook. Nope. <laughs> and so my colleague and I, we had paperwork and stuff to put ourselves on the account and be signatories. And so we thought we must be able to do it, that we could pay the money directly from the account. And so we went along to the bank thinking this would take ages, and, oh, my goodness, we would get lots of paperwork and so Half an hour later, we were both signed up. I'd always got on the account, but I had no access to paying anything. Now we're both signed up, and one of us initiates a bill to be paid online, and the other one has to approve it, which is exactly the same as two signatures on the checkbook. Mm-hmm. And that's such a breakthrough. So, um, yeah, there were things like that where we're getting into the 21st century with body corporate management. <laughs> yeah, that's right. James, there may be some listeners who are excited and inspired by your experience in your project. If they're thinking about something similar in their building, what would you suggest should be their first step? I think they, I mean, you have to start talking to people. You know, I mean, there has to be some lines of communication. I often hear the war stories of Strata, and you share some of those <laughs> on your podcast. Oh, there's a few. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you need your allies. And I certainly had my allies to envision what you want to do. And then you have to bring a proposal. So the initial, all we did, the first meeting was suggest the idea and agree that we would have three quotes for what needs to be done. So then I just went to work and created the whole scopes of work, document, I listed out everything. I took photographs all around the building of all the stuff that needed to be attended to. And I had a Google Doc with our scopes written up thoroughly from which I could get comparable quotes because I know some people will bring in, like if you get a kitchen renovated, bring in three different people to get a kitchen quote and then you end up getting three quotes and you can't compare apples with apples Mm. because they each had a different idea that they'd tell you what you need to do. So I knew about that. And I had specific scopes, which I shared and was able to bring back, put together a budget. So I think you have to get your allies, you have to build up what you want to do. I would say probably, you know, pick your battles. Like, Mm. I mean, I would love to remove our front fence, for example. It's a brick fence and it's got some trees that are pushing it and it really needs to be repaired or demolished, I'd rather replace it with landscaping. I'm not going there anytime Mm. soon. But in due course, 
that would be another one to do. So um, yep. I think we kind of align on that. And probably now we're, we're meeting more frequently, we can have a plan of what we're going for in terms of overall building upgrade. Because it definitely makes a difference with property value. And you're all proud of what you have now and proud to have visitors come through. And I'm sure you want to maintain that and even continue to improve it where you can. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's more joyful coming home every day now. I mean, mm. this is a walk-up block and I'm on the top floor. So it's a staircase of, of uh, three levels. And now there's photography all the way up with nice colours and a new balustrade and I removed some of the old curly stuff that was really the 1980s and put in some more very minimal changes, but it modernizes the whole thing and it feels mm. good. So, yeah. Uh, now, yeah. you've said there, James, that a lot of your skills that you were able to apply through this project, you learned through Bernadette Jansen and the School of Renovating. Let us know, if you'd like, how we can get in touch with that same expertise, and I'll include a link in the notes here, and also any listeners who want to get in touch with you, and uh, if you don't mind, sharing directly with anybody who's interested, let us know how to make contact. Okay, well, my, my business is Brand Within. So brandwithin.com, you'll find me, or just James Bergen um, on Instagram for very casually. And the School of Renovating, we have a particular focus on women in renovating. Bernadette's been very passionate about supporting women to be, or convert their passion for beautiful homes into an income. And so there's um, you know hundreds of women who've really been succeeding through her school with incredible education modules to uh, learn the ropes and convert their desires and passions and love of beautiful homes into an ongoing revenue stream and oftentimes in a way that can you can leave your nine to five. So mm. um, particularly women who are you know, maybe in their 50s or beyond, uh, who, like me, I felt like I left my run too late in terms of getting all my retirement uh, money sorted. But now I've got kind of a bright future and renovating will certainly be part of it. So that's the school of renovating.com is where you'll find us. Excellent. I'll put that link to the School of Renovating in our show notes for today. It's been wonderful chatting to you, James. As you alluded to, we're often talking about problems and war stories here on this podcast. So it is a breath of fresh air to hear about your success and the success of your community. I can't wait to see those photos. Please do send them through and we'll share them here under the episode. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Great. Thank you very much, Amanda. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? today?